Church, have you been blessed by our junior high early teens this morning? Isn't it incredible to see them come up and just to take leadership? This was all them. Um, they came last night, like Lem said, with so much energy. I came and I said, um, with our guys who did the children's story, I was like, so, um, do, you, do you need a little bit of help? Do you want me to have a story? I always have a backup story just in case. And they're like, no, we got this. <laughs> And it was so cool. There was nothing I could have done that would have been more cool than bringing a lizard to show people. And I was kind of terrified when it got in the ground that it would run away and touch me. But they did an amazing job. <laughs> so thank you so much to our junior high early teens for doing that. All right, where's Uncle Lem? Uncle Lem's around here. He's going to have a microphone because I have a couple questions for you guys, all right? I have some brands that I want to show you. And for our junior early teens, where are you guys? Can you raise your hands? All right, there you guys are. If you guys recognize the brand, raise your hand, and Uncle Lem's going to give you the microphone, and you can tell us if you recognize it, all right? What's that? What is that? American Idol. American Idol, that's right. Isn't it funny how you can just see a small slice of something, but you can recognize what it belongs to? Just a small piece and what it belongs to. Okay, this one might be a little bit harder. Maybe not, okay? So... What's this one? Someone different, someone different. YouTube. YouTube, that's right. How is it that you only see part of the U and part of the red and you can recognize that this is the YouTube label, this is the YouTube brand? Okay, this is our last one. I don't know if you guys have seen this one, it comes from a movie, but see if you know where it comes from, okay? There. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. That's from the Hunger Games. Good job, you guys. <laughs> Way to recognize that stuff. As I was doing this, I was trying to pick some stuff that was noticeable and give enough that we might be able to guess, but it's so funny. The slices that I showed of these, of these logos, these brands, were just a really small piece of the whole, and yet even when you only see a little bit, you know what the brand is, right? And what's a brand? A brand is a way that we know um, that something, an item or a t-shirt or something, we know who it belongs to, where it's from, because of the brand. So you only see a little bit and you know where it's from. And so I have a question. You can recognize these brands really easily, right? You know if something's from American Idol or from the Hunger Games. But in our lives, if we were people, say maybe we were t-shirts, how would people know that we belong to Jesus? What's the brand of Jesus? If they only saw a little bit, a little slice of our lives, how would they be able to know whether or not we belong to Jesus? Is it if we have t-shirts like this? You just saw the Hunger Games logo. Is it if we have a Christian t-shirt like this that looks like the Hunger Games, but it says hunger for God instead? Have you guys seen these t-shirts? They're kind of like knockoffs of stuff, and then you make them Christian. I found another one. It's really interesting. Um, it says... God wants you to be saved. <laughs> All right, so do people know that we belong to Jesus if we have these t-shirts that say we do? Or maybe if we, if we have something like this instead. Instead of American Idol, it says Amazing Grace. And it says, I don't need an idol. I have a Savior. Okay, is that, is that how we know? Or maybe it would just be really clear if we had a t-shirt that says Christian. I am a Christian. Is that, is that how we know that people belong to Jesus? Right? It's, a, it's actually, I mean, it's funny. And I love seeing these t-shirts around because I know that, and I'm not trying to knock them. If you have them, I think I have one or two myself. Um, but if, 
if people, you know, people use it as a witnessing tool, but if it was this easy to be a Christian, then why would Jesus say to count the cost before we follow him? If it's this easy to identify Christians, then why is it when you say the name Christian, people have all kinds of thoughts? Some people think, oh, awesome, you're a Christian. This is great. Or they think, oh, you're a Christian. Does that mean? It can mean all these things, right? So what is it in our lives that's supposed to identify us as belonging to Jesus? A lot of times um, we think of stories, stories like this. I um, read a book not too long ago called Voice of the Martyrs. And what it was, it was stories of young people, of men and women and even children and junior high, early teenaged people who all over the world gave their lives because they believe in Jesus. And there came a point in their lives where they had to decide, do I belong to Jesus? Do I wear Jesus's brand, not on my chest and my shirt, but in my heart? And they made the decision to say, yes, Sarah, this is her story. Um, We don't actually even know if her name is Sarah. We don't know exactly what country she was from. But we do know that in this country, people weren't allowed to be Christians. We know that people weren't allowed to do that. And if they worshipped, they had the potential of getting put in jail and sometimes even getting killed. And so she was in a house and in a secret room. They were worshipping. And all of a sudden, soldiers broke in the door. And they stood and said, we know that you're Christians. And the only way you're getting out of here alive, because we heard you singing and we saw you reading the Bible, is if, and they put a Bible in the front of the room, is if you spit on this Bible and say you don't believe in Jesus, that's the only way that you can leave. And so one by one, people there, and imagine this happening even in our church. What would we do if we had to make that decision. One by one, people came, and with tears running down their faces, they spit on the Bible, and they said the words they were supposed to say, and they walked out the door, except for Sarah. Sarah was 14. And she knelt down, and she picked up the Bible, and she wiped it off, and she whispered, Jesus, what have they done to your word? And in that moment, she lost her life, and we hear these stories, right? And we wonder... If it was us, would we have the courage? Is that what it means to wear Jesus' brand in our lives, that we would give our lives? Is that the ultimate test of, of whether or not we believe in Jesus? You know, these stories are important. The stories of the martyrs, the Bible tells us that their blood, in, in a figurative way, cries out to God, asking for justice because they died for his cause. But I want to suggest to you that even though these stories are so important and even though they're so meaningful, that maybe we don't have to be in a life or death situation, say whether or not we're going to die for Jesus, to be able to tell people that we love him and to be able to show in our lives that we belong to him. Because I want to I ask you guys something. And, you know, we don't really know the answer because how many of us have been in that situation, but is it easier to make a choice to trust Jesus in one moment before we lose our lives? Or is it harder to live for Jesus every single day? You see, not all of us are called to give our lives for God as a testimony. But every single one of us in our lives, every day at school, every day at work, every day with our parents and in our homes, God calls us not to die for him, but to live for him every single day in every decision. God calls us to live for him in such a way that if people only were able to see a small part of our lives, say they only see us at school, 
that they would be able to tell that we belong to Jesus just as easily as you guys were able to tell that that slice belonged to the Hunger Games. God wants our lives to reflect his brand that clearly. And so what does that mean? What does it look like? Um, what does it really mean to be a Christian and to show that and to wear Jesus' brand in our lives? Um, I want to share with you guys this verse, James 1.27, and this is what it says. It says, real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. So we read this, right? And we're asking, how do I know that um, I belong to Jesus? Where's the proof in my life that I belong to him? And at first it seems like, okay, well, if I do community service, if I help people that need it, then I belong to Jesus, right? But is that really all that God is calling us to do? Is that really all that it means to belong to him? It's interesting because in this verse, um, a lot of times it says, reach out to the orphans and the widows. But God is asking us to do more in this verse than reach out to orphans and widows. You see, at this time, if you were an orphan or if you were a widow, that meant that you didn't have a man in your life. And at a time when women didn't have a voice, I know, you girls are rolling your eyes. That's good. You girls can be strong and independent women, okay? But at this time, at this time, when someone didn't have a man in their family because women didn't have a voice and children didn't have a voice, that meant that there was nobody to defend them. There was no one to provide for them. There was nobody to help them at this time. And so if you were an orphan or a widow, that meant that you were defenseless. It meant that you were vulnerable. It meant that people could attack you. And so people did. People would take advantage of women with no husbands and children with no fathers. They would take advantage of them and they would exploit them and very bad things would happen. And so the Bible tells us that what it really means to be a Christian, what it really means to have true religion is to identify, look for the people in your schools, in your work, in your life, in our church who don't have a voice, people who are weak, people um, or who are in a weak position, people who are being bullied, people who are struggling, people that other people beat up on and talk about behind their backs. God says, look for those people because you know you really follow me. The brand of really following Jesus is if you stand up for those people in your life. That's what it looks like to follow him. That's what real religion looks like. It's more than just coming to church and coming to Sabbath school, even though that's an awesome thing. It's more than just reading your Bibles. Jesus says, you wear my brand. People know that you belong to me if you do this, if you stand up for the people in your life that need it. And in case you're wondering if that's true, I have a story for you that um, comes from the book of John. You guys may have heard this story, John 12, verse 3. It says, Mary came in with a jar of very expensive aromatic oils, anointed and massaged Jesus' feet, and then wiped them with her hair. So you guys know the story, right? She comes, um, she's repentant, she cries, and she puts the oil, and it's all wonderful, and people talk about it. But the thing that we also have to think about is think about the status of women at this time. Um, Jesus was at a party, and at this party, it was all men. It was all people. They all wanted power, and then here comes one woman, one woman who they don't think is important. They think she's weak. She doesn't have a voice, and she kneels down in front of Jesus, in front of all of these men. Think of the people in your life that you're most scared of, the people that intimidate you the most, the people that you want to look good in front of the most, and imagine a whole room full of them, and then kneeling down, kneeling down in front of Jesus, because he's there, 
and pouring oil and then wiping it with your hair. Imagine how vulnerable and just like how exposed you feel. And here she comes, she does this because she wants to worship Jesus. And this is what happens. Here, the men in the room, um, they could, they're supposed to follow Jesus. They could, you know, just kind of let that pass, even though it's kind of not something they do in their culture. But instead, this is what happens. Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus' disciples, one of the ones who's supposed to be wearing Jesus' brand and following him. He was even then getting ready to betray Jesus, said, Why wasn't this oil sold and the money given to the poor? It could have easily bought 300 silver pieces. So here's this woman, and she has made herself so vulnerable. And instead of the people in the room appreciating that, they're saying, why are you doing that? That's so useless. Imagine coming and bringing your best gift to Jesus and having people around you say, that was useless. And in fact, maybe that was even the wrong thing to do. And so it's kind of like at school. You know, somebody has an idea. Um, Somebody has a thought. Somebody wants to play a game. And everybody going, that's useless. Why would you do that? That happens. That happens um, here, and Jesus is there, and this is how he responds. This is how um, Jesus responds. Oh, but we learned something else. Judas says this not because he cared two cents about the poor, but because he was a thief, John 12, 6 tells us. He was in charge of their common funds, but also embezzled them. And what this tells us is that in our lives, when there is somebody who is a bully, when there is somebody who feels a need to always step on other people, and we can all identify, we may not all be in school, but we can all identify in our lives, places where people just feel a need to step on other people. Maybe we've even been those people. I've been both. I grew up um, in a place where it seemed like people were always trying to step on me. And because of how, how much that hurt, I turned around and I remember doing that to other people. And this is the reason, is because even though people say all kinds of stuff, when people are treating other people badly, it's because there's something going on in their heart. There's something wrong there. We know that hurt people are the ones who hurt other people. And yet, even though Judas might have been hurt, he has wrong intentions, all kinds of things going on, we find Jesus in a situation where he is watching somebody else being bullied. He's watching somebody else being stepped on. And so what does he do? He could have just let it slide. Judas isn't wrong. That money could have gone to feed the poor. If Jesus speaks up, people might not agree with him. They'd be like, why are you standing up for this woman? And maybe assume all kinds of stuff. But I want to show you what Jesus did. John 12, 7, Jesus says, leave her alone. She is anticipating and honoring the day of my burial. The reason isn't really important. But the fact is, is that Jesus sees somebody who other people are trying to take advantage of. Jesus sees somebody who's being bullied. Jesus sees somebody who people don't care about. He sees this happening, and his words are, leave her alone. Jesus says, nobody is going to be getting treated like a second-class citizen while I'm here. Because that was Jesus' mark. All over um, his story, we see places where he stood up for people who had no voice. Lepers, people that nobody wanted around them. Um, Prostitutes, people that other people were trying to kill because of what they did. People who were sick that other people were trying to say, it's your fault. Anybody who was being condemned or judged, even when they were in the wrong. Jesus didn't say that it's okay for you to be wrong, but Jesus always stood up for them. And is it possible that in our lives, when somebody is being wronged, 
that the way to, the, to say that we belong to Jesus is not by quoting a Bible verse to them. It's not by inviting them to come to church, but by doing what Jesus did, by standing there and saying, leave her alone. It's not okay for you to do that. Is it possible that that's what it means to belong to Jesus? Because if that's what Jesus did when he was on earth, I mean, that was his whole ministry. He came and he said, all of us humans, we're not good enough. We're not good enough and um, we could die in sin, but Jesus came and said, leave these humans alone, I'll give my life instead. And all over his ministry and all over his gospel, he went everywhere saying, leave these people alone. I will not let these people be treated like that in my presence. Can we really say that we're Christians? Can we say we follow Jesus? Can we say we wear his brand if we don't do what he did when he was on earth? 1 John 4, 8 tells us that no, we cannot. It says the person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't know love. What this tells us is that in our lives, if we're not loving other people, and not just loving our families and the people that we like, but if there are people in our lives that we don't like, people who have treated us terribly in the past, people that we feel like we may never forgive, if these people in our lives, if we cannot love and love generously and pour that out to people even when they don't deserve it, what this verse is telling us is if we don't do that, maybe we don't know God. Because when we know God, we know his love. And we, when we know his love, that love can tear down every single hurt and every single pain in our lives that blocks us from loving other people. God is not asking us to have compartments in our lives where these are the people that I love and these are the people that I don't. God says love either exists or it doesn't. And he's saying if in our lives, and there, if there's a place in our lives that it doesn't exist, it's because that's a place in our lives where we don't know God. And it doesn't mean that we need to try harder to love, that when we see them, we need to smile bigger and we need to give them money and do all these things. But what God is saying is, if you struggle to love, don't try harder because it doesn't come from here. It comes from him. And so God is saying, if you're struggling to love somebody, then ask God um, to make himself more known to you. Ask God um, for an experience of his love that will allow you to pour that into somebody else's life. Because if we're not knowing God's love and if we're not giving that to other people, we can't really say that we belong to Jesus. In John 13, 35, um, Jesus tells his disciples, this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples. This is how everyone will recognize that you belong to me. It's not a t-shirt that you wear. It's not a brand that you like burn into your arm. That's not what it looks like to follow Jesus. The Bible says that the brand of your love for God is in the depth of your love for people. You can't separate them. And so I have a question. If you were on trial and they dragged you up in front of someone and, or in front of a court and they asked, is this person a Christian? And by the way, going to church and going to Adventist Academy and memorizing your Bible verses, those things don't count. They want to know if you're a Christian, and they want evidence of whether or not you follow God. None of those things count. The only thing that will count is the testimony and the evidence of people around you in your lives of how well you love, or if you love like Jesus. The question is, would you be able to be convicted as a Christian 
because of what people around you in your lives have seen about how you treat other people? That's a hard question to ask. I don't really want to answer that question. If, if we were to backtrack and look in all the areas of our lives, would there be enough evidence of Jesus' brand in our lives by how deeply we have loved to say that we really belong and follow Jesus, our Savior? And I want you to understand, I want to say again, it's not a love that we pull out of ourselves, but a love that comes from knowing God. When we struggle to love, it's because we struggle to know God. And yet, the truth is, the truth is that even though Satan might be active in this world, and he might be pulling us, and he might want us to do bad things. The truth is, Satan doesn't have to make you into a drug addict or a murderer or something completely awful in order to allow his evil to be spread throughout our world. Um, it's really interesting. Edmund Burke says, um, all that is required for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. The truth is, is all that is required for evil to spread through our world and for hate and anger to fester in our world is for the people who know better, the people who have received Jesus' love in their lives. All that is, is, all that is required for this to happen is for those people who say they follow Jesus to be silent. And God is calling us today to not be silent. God is saying today that your voice makes a difference. God is saying today that he didn't come and die on a cross to save you so that you could keep that to yourself. God is saying that Jesus came so that he could give you freedom and so that you could give that freedom to somebody else. It was never a secret that was supposed to be kept. It was something that we were always supposed to give to other people. And Jesus says, this world will know that you follow me. This world will know that you are truly my disciples if you love each other. If you don't love each other, all the words don't mean anything. And if you wonder if you can really make a difference in your school, at your age, at your workplace, I shared with you Sarah's story this morning. I'd like to share with you Kyle's. Kyle went to a high school where there weren't that many people, maybe only 200 people. And in this school, um, most people weren't mean to him. They kind of just ignored him. He was a little bit weird. He didn't really have, like, cool clothes. He was always, like, a season behind. He didn't um, have a TV at home, so he didn't see the latest shows, never knew what people were talking about. He tried really hard with athletics, but he was clumsy, and so when he got the football in PE one day, he ran the wrong direction. Um, and people were always making fun of Kyle. Um, and so some people were making fun of him. Other times they would just ignore him. And one day he was headed home from school, and he was carrying all his books. And this other guy named Jason came up and said, um, why are you carrying all your books home? And at the same time he said that, this group of people came and knocked all of Kyle's books out of his arms. And so he's standing there, he's looking at the ground, looking at all these books. And he just takes a deep breath and kneels down and starts to gather them. And Jason had never really talked to Kyle that much, just wanted to know why he was taking all his books home. But he knelt down and he helped Kyle pick up all those books. And when he was carrying some, he's like, well, why don't I just come over to your house? Maybe we can hang out um, and maybe we can play some basketball. And Kyle's like, well, I'm not really that good at basketball, but Jason didn't mind. And so he went over and they played some basketball. The next day, Jason invited Kyle over to his house to play some video games, taught him how to play some video games. 
they ended up becoming friends, and so Kyle got to meet all of Jason's friends, and they were friends. They went into high school. They went all through school, and one day, Kyle was standing at a podium to give his valedictorian speech, and he said, you know, one day I was headed home from school carrying all my books, and the reason I was carrying all my books was because that weekend I had planned to kill myself because I was so tired of nobody caring about me. I had planned to take my own life, and I didn't want my mom to have to clean out my locker. And the only reason I didn't do that is because Jason came and, and, and asked if we could play basketball together. We never know. We never know what our choices can mean in someone's life. When Jesus asks us to stand, even if it's just in a small way, picking up someone's books, or in a big way, giving our lives, when Jesus calls us to stand and to love, we have no idea what kind of impact that could make. We can never underestimate what it means when we obey God's call in our lives to love other people. Today, I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you in the same way that I'm challenged and in the same way that everybody who says they belong to God is challenged to in your lives and in every situation, consider who around us doesn't have power. Consider who doesn't have someone to have their back. Consider who is defenseless. Jesus says, you know you're my disciples when you stand for what I stood for. And Jesus always stood for those people. This morning as the band comes up, um, I want you guys to consider and really pray and ask God, who are the people in my life that need your love today? We never really know where people are, whether they're on the brink of something, on the edge of something. And it's not our responsibility to save them. Only Jesus is the Savior, and yet he calls us to be his hands and feet. And I want to strongly encourage you guys today to not, not just wear the Christian t-shirts, don't just put the fishes on your car, but by the way that you live and in every interaction, declare that you belong to Jesus.